0: Welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable. This is the Discipleship Podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church, brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. We are here today to continue our walk through the uh, Baptist understanding of the church. We're calling this Baptist Ecclesiology 101, the Baptist understanding of the church. Um, Continuing our series as we are... uh, walking through what we believe the church is, how it should be uh, governed, and and so on and so forth. We've talked about the church is invisible and yet visible. Um, last week, we talked about the fact that the church is an indestructible kingdom, but it also has a sovereign king who is the one who rules over and controls and governs the church, and that is uh, Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, this week, we're going to now turn our attention from those first— uh, Couple episodes, we're really talking about the church, really on a worldwide level, more and uh, thinking about the church around the world, um, the church um, as it is all over. But now we're going to start talking especially about the local church. Uh, Whereas this, uh, the old 1689 Baptist Confession that we're using as kind of a a template to help us walk through these things, they call them particular churches. Uh, particular societies or churches. And so we're going to begin today to say, okay, so here's what the church is, right? It's got Jesus Christ as the head, Jesus Christ is the king, he rules over it. The, his kingdom will never cease on the face of the earth. But now here is how he governs and puts together and calls together particular individual local churches, which are expressions of that one universal all-embracing reality, the church of God, uh, which is made up of the believers of all ages. Um, So today we're going to talk about how Jesus Christ calls together the church and puts it together um, until where we get what we call local churches, like Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. Um, So paragraph 5 of the Confession, chapter 26, says this, In the execution of this power, because remember, Jesus Christ has been given all power, By the Father, it says. So Jesus Christ is the king. He's the head. He's been given all power for calling, authority, all those things. And then it says a paragraph five, in the execution of this power wherewith he is so entrusted, remember the Father gave this to him, the Lord Jesus calls out of the world unto himself through the ministry of his word by his spirit those that are given unto him by his Father that they may walk before him in all the ways of obedience which he prescribes to them in his word. Those thus called he commands to walk together in particular societies or churches for their mutual edification and the due performance of that public worship which he requires of them in the world. So really the origin and the uh, source, if you want to know where's the where's the local church come from, where did this where did Monroe Missionary Baptist Church come from? Well, ultimately, it comes from Jesus Christ Himself, um, and and finds its. You can trace it back all the way back, ultimately, to Jesus Christ saving sinners, calling them uh, to Himself. Um, any thoughts initially as we read that paragraph? Um, um, you know, what did anything stand out to you guys as we read that? Um, before we kind of break down that statement. Are you serious? <laughs> you guys need to get a life. <laughs> I'll tell you what.
1: What do you mean by that?
0: I'll tell you. Be, what, because is, there anything clicking, is anything clicking in the brain right there?
1: You've done so very little to help us with this podcast. Are
0: you
2: serious? The last po- reading?
1: The last podcast, we had 40 pages of Spurgeon sermon notes. To help us with our topic. It was given to us
2: five seconds before the episode
0: started. Today what we I found it five seconds before the episode started. We have the
1: little bit that you always have for your intro. Yeah. I wanna give people a clue of what we've got in front of us. Okay. Then it says, here's the main topic. Number one, introduction. That's all it says. There's nothing with it. And I introduced the number two, paragraph five I took care of that for you. This is what you read. You just read paragraph five. (laughs) That's what we have. <laughs> yeah. Last time we had all kinds of stuff.
0: <laughs> so I last time I gave you too much, now yeah. I've given you too little. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you need to find you're never happy. happy. Yeah. Happy Never balance. happy. That's okay. That's true. Okay. <laughs> That's true. Okay. All right. Well, uh, so. What did you want us to say? I have no idea. Did I, anything I jump know. out at you? Well, I've already do broken think? down it. What do you think? Yeah, what mean? do you think? What does this mean to you? <laughs> what does this mean to you? <laughs> what does this mean to you? I'll tell you what. I've broken it down grammatically. Um, the caller. The caller, Lord Jesus, calls out of the world unto Himself. The means by which He does it, the ministry of His Word. The personal agent is the Holy Spirit. The object that He calls, those that are given unto Him by His Father, out of the world, and then the purpose that they may walk before Him in all the ways of obedience which He prescribes to them
2: in His. So can I word. ask why? Yes, on
1: line ten. It says line ten.
2: That's you're not reading it. It's what is it called? That's a, a, ten is a footnote. It's oh, supposed to be a footnote. Yeah. yeah, a scriptural note.
1: Oh my bad. I just saw nine right above it, so I thought maybe these were in some sort of. Yeah, level. I was really nine confused
2: because I saw nine John. Never heard of nine John. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> what nine John letters? ten sixteen. <laughs> okay, it's like what is that? That's in I the I book see of Mormon. how this is
1: supposed to be. Okay. <laughs> All right. After the tenth footnote, <laughs> yes, it says those thus called he commands to walk together in. Particular societies or churches. Why but the option?
0: It's not an option. It's saying that's what they are.
1: They are particular societies, societies
0: or churches. Yeah, that's what it's meaning. Also called churches. Almost, I said in it, if you will. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. parallel. It's not giving you an option. It's just further describing the particular societies that you're called Why together. Why did
1: they say particular societies? Why not just churches? I don't know. I'm saying it seems like that opens doors to like the Moose Lodge.
0: No, that's not what they were meaning. They were just (laughs) saying, this is what the particular society is that they're there to to put together. So first of all, let's talk about the caller, the Lord Jesus himself. Yes. What would you like to know? Um, So he calls out of the world unto himself. um, These, these sinners. So the, the church begins with Jesus Christ. It begins with his word Calling people. So I think this is very important because whenever people come to a a church like ours, right? And so if you you come to a service, you're not going to see Jesus with your eyes. You're not going to see the risen Christ with your physical eyes. And yet he is doing something in our service. He is calling people. He Mm -hmm. is summoning them effectually um, to himself, saving them. Uh, assembling them to himself. and the means by which he does that is, it says here, through the ministry of His word. This is why preaching is so important as a ser- in, in our services. Um, and we want to make sure because other you know some, somebody else might say, well, the way in which the Lord Jesus calls us could be through um, some kind of sacramental means. Um, so, some people might say, you know, baptism uh, is the way in which you're, you're called to the Lord, you're, you're saved, and somehow that changes your status um, or something like that. But it specifically says that it is through, by means the, of the ministry of the word, through the scriptures being read and preached, that sinners are converted and called to the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Lord Jesus uses the ministry of his word to save people and to pull them to himself in order to then form the church.
3: Um, and Just as go a real, ahead. real quick um, note to that, I think it's interesting, even in the etymology of the word "ecclesia," that little first part of the word is ek, which means to be called out. Yeah. So literally the idea or the, tr- the trans- translation is the called out assembly, and that's exactly the language that we 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 see here. You know that Jesus is the one that calls out. I think that's why maybe that the word society is because the society is is a kind of a, a unique, separate, if you will, um, from like general population. Mm-hmm. And so there's this idea of being called that Jesus Himself has called an assembly unto Himself, an ecclesia, which I think is really neat. Right. right. I think that word was used in the general. Sense of like a, a meeting within the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure on yeah. all that on the, the origins yeah. of that, but
0: yeah, as in a political assembly, a political assembly, yeah. Um, and the idea of congregating mm-hmm. is already there. Yeah. Um, well, especially in the Old Testament mm-hmm. at Mount Sinai, yeah, um, where the congregation of Israel. It's interesting that when Tyndale, William Tyndale, um, this is kind of a side note, but it's about the church statement. Whenever he translated the word. Ecclesia in his translation, I believe he used the word congregation. Hmm. Maybe not the because whenever we think of the word church, we are we bring with us so many Absolutely. different ideas. Um, and I could be wrong about that, but I want to think he was he said the word congregation, um, which is actually which is actually what the word means. Mm-hmm. It's a congregation yeah. that's been brought together mm-hmm. um, for oh, a particular yeah. purpose. Yeah. Um, and here, the Lord Jesus is the one mm-hmm. who so, and that's also important too. Whenever we get together as a church, Jesus is the one who's called together the assembly. Mm -hmm. He's the one who, in a sense, sends out all the invitations and says, meet here at this time. Mm. He's the one doing that Mm -hmm. um, with the execution of the power that he has been given by the father. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it highlights the importance of the ministry of the word. The ministry Mm -hmm. of the word can only do and say what Jesus says we can say. And so that's why, for instance, we going back to the previous episode, we're not allowed to create or say things on our own power or just with our own ideas mm-hmm. in the ministry of the word, because the ministry of the word should be only that which Jesus is saying. So, um hmm. So uh, it's yeah. we are we are ministers. So, for instance, an ambassador cannot go and create policy; he can only convey that what the policy is Represents, of his country. Yeah. Similarly, pastors don't get to create doctrine. We don't get to create laws. We don't get to create anything. We get to simply communicate what the policy of the King of Heaven is mm-hmm. um, to those who are gathered together. So, the Lord Jesus calls out of the world unto
3: Himself these people through the ministry of his word. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that Paul uses in Philippians, he, he called them citizens of heaven, you know, um, and, and in Philippi, cause I was in Philippi when I, I took uh, a class in seminary and we, we traveled some of Paul's missionary journeys in that in, in, uh, Greece in, Philippi, if you lived in Philippi, you had the same status as if you lived in Rome, as a Roman yeah. colony. And Paul was making the the the, uh, the parallel there that a Christian, a follower of Christ, is a citizen of a city that we had never seen. But yet, it's, it's just as true as if people that lived in Philippi had lived in Rome at that time, which I think is really neat that yeah. he made that connection which tells us who our identity in Christ mm-hmm. and what we've been given and how we have this living hope, as Peter says. Which is in heaven. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so we have the caller, we have the means that we're supposed to use um to call people, um, to the Lord Jesus. And then we have the personal agent, the Holy Spirit. Um who who does this so let's talk about this real quick the means and so there's two in a sense means but there's one that's an it's it's kind of an impersonal means the ministry of the word but then there's the person of the spirit who takes the word and applies it to the hearts of people what's the relationship between the spirit and the written word of god that's preached or the ministry of the word what is the relationship between those two do you think
1: I think the job of the Spirit would always be to point us to the Word because
0: the, the job of the Spirit is to point
1: us to Christ. Christ is the Word made flesh. Um, so the Spirit should always be pointing us to the Word. But I think that as we read the Word, as we hear the Word, it is the Spirit that works in us to help us to see and to understand the truth of the Word, right, to grasp to grasp it. Or or as the Word is preached at the in the church... taught in the church i think it's the spirit that moves and then works and so like paul would talk about how he doesn't want to come with eloquency and all of this but that but the power right the power that actually changes that actually moves is is done by the by the spirit the spirit's the one that has to has to do that has to has to do that work uh, which then just proves again, you know, it's not of my own intellect that I'm figuring this out. It's God is allowing me to figure this out. He's He's helping me to see it. Where people will say something like, oh, I've heard this a million times, and it's just now starting to click in, I'm, or I'm just now starting to see it. Um, and it's not that they've gotten wiser or smarter. It's that the Spirit is, is moving mm-hmm. and helping them to see the truth of the of the Word and the importance of the Word and what's being said there and how it applies then to them. Like, this Word is for you. Right. It's not just for a people, some other people of some other time. It is for you now and the others who are sitting here listening mm-hmm. to it. Um I think there's a, a fear though in that with some to talk that way and to understand that because then you're afraid there's gonna be confusion because people would start saying like, Well, this Holy Spirit told me it meant this. Well, the Holy Spirit told me it meant this. Right. And there's these contradictions and and uh people do say that at times right the, the Holy Spirit's showing me that this is what this what this means and I think you have to be careful with that there's people who use that wrongly uh to deceive uh and for their own gains Definitely. oftentimes. times uh but that's that's what the Bible teaches us though about the spirit is the spirit's task is to help us to
0: see the truth mm-hmm. according to the word which is always pointing us to, to right. Christ our head yeah and I think I mean like the book of Hebrews we see the writers of the Hebrews will say, will quote scripture and then he'll say the Holy spirit says. Mm -hmm. So the Holy spirit doesn't speak like he, 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 well, first of all, he's the one who took the time to inspire the scriptures. And then he takes those scriptures and uh, takes them as they're preached or read and does with them what the will of the Lord is. And part of that is, is here as he's talking about savingly calling sinners out of darkness Um, into light but he uses the ministry of the word ordinarily and like there are extraordinary cases where people will say you know we think about um, um, you know for instance uh, small children who are not able to hear the ministry of the word and maybe they sadly pass away Um, we believe the holy spirit is able to save them without the ministry of the word like he can save them in a miraculous way. But ordinarily, this is the ordinary way that we know he uses the ministry of the word to save people by enlightening their minds by the Holy Spirit's work in their lives. That's why for us, and we, we use this, uh, sometimes this, this language was used in the past, the preaching is the converting ordinance of God. So that we would say there's two different types of ordinances in the church service. There is the converting ordinance, and there's the confirming ordinances. The confirming ordinances are baptism and the Lord's Supper because they confirm to us the truth of the Scriptures. But the converting ordinances, the ones that save us, that bring us to faith in Christ— are like the, of the pre, particularly the preaching of the word of God, and then the 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 ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper confirm the promises to us after coming to faith, um, in Christ. So this is how the Lord Jesus forms His church by preaching. He forms His church by the Spirit and He brings us together, um,
2: and uh, and puts us together as as churches. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I was just gonna say the what we you were asking about the what's the connection between the role of the Holy Spirit and the Word, and the doctrine that we could talk about is the doctrine of illumination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is what illuminates or gives light to almost. I mean, if you want to picture a person who does not have the Holy Spirit, if they're looking at the Bible, it's almost like they're looking at a blank book. Yeah, it's like there's nothing there, and even if they were able to read it, it's not going to to impact them in the way you're talking about Correct. in terms of having this effect on them. It's like the Holy Spirit is like turning on a flashlight. Nolan and Thomas have these really neat little books uh, where there's like a, a page that is missing details, but you shine a light behind the back of it. And when you do that, all of a sudden you can see all the details mm-hmm. that's cool. you know, that you couldn't see before. And that's, that's essentially what the Holy Spirit does to the Word of God is it illuminates it. In your heart removes this veil like that you would read about in 2 Corinthians 3. it says in verse 15, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. And so that's why there's people even from the same families who can experience the same things the same preaching and one of them does not turn to the lord right the other does sure because the spirit is calling one right or the lord is calling one through his spirit illuminating his word to one not necessarily the other yeah that's why uh there's not like a set practice right Mm -hmm. Uh, that we've talked about that before Mm -hmm. of it's not the results it's it's the Lord's work and what He's doing, yeah, that that produces
3: it, not any kind of magic formula, correct. That yeah. we do, correct. Yeah, when I, I mentioned this in my sermon on Mission Sunday, but you know, I, I would hear these stories about, like, in the Muslim world, about these uh, Muslim people that would receive visions and dreams about Christ, and I and I, I was, you know, you, you get you get a little skeptical when you hear stuff like that sometimes, you know, obviously, but I met a guy in Detroit from Saudi Arabia. Who was having multiple dreams about Christ and you know Jesus revealing himself to him and he didn't know what to do but when he was here when when he came to America to study university, he took it upon himself to go to a church. He met with the pastor. He heard the word. The pastor you know shared the gospel with him and then by faith he believed it. And so it's kind of like that idea of what you said, Scott, illumination. It wasn't like. You know, I mean, because of the, the, the country and the context he lived in, there's, no, there's not accessibility to the Word of God, right? You can't have a Bible. You can't go to church. But God can illuminate—the Spirit of God can illuminate someone's mind to get them—get the ball rolling, if you will, the, the interest, and then they hear the Word, and then they come, they by faith— receive it. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I heard, you know, from a personal testimony standpoint, meeting someone that had that experience and who was living as a Christian. Right. For Christ. Well, I
0: think the important part of your story there too, yeah. is, is he was brought to the ministry of the word. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah. Eventually he was brought there right. and, um, and yeah, and he, and he heard the word and believed. Yep. And faith um, comes by hearing, and hearing yeah, by the word of God. So. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, So he calls those, those that are given unto him by the father, those are the ones that are saved. But then this is the reason why, that they may walk before him in all the ways of obedience which he prescribes to them in his word. So the Lord Jesus calls us to himself so that we can walk our whole lives and the whole um the whole of our beings can live before him in all the ways of obedience that he prescribes to us in his word. So you notice again how tight this statement is, because it's highlighting to us again that Jesus Christ is the one who prescribes to us what obedience to him looks like. And he's put that not in any kind of church structure or anybody else, but he's He's deposited for it for us in his word again. Um, again, you can see the, the concern uh, for uh, the liberty of conscience that Christ has bought for us. Not that we get to do whatever we want, but that we, we, our consciences, are able to submit to Jesus Christ in his word. And so he calls us to him that we can obey him. Uh, worship him and such. And then these. Cl- lastly, it says, those thus called, he commands to walk together in particular societies or churches. Uh, so the, the ones who get together in these particular churches or societies are those who are called, the saved ones. That right there uh, distinguishes Baptist churches right away because we believe the church should be made up of believers and um, so that's why, for instance, you know, we don't baptize infants because we believe the church should be made up of those who profess saving faith in Jesus Christ and repentance um, towards God, um, which would automatically place us at variance with most churches in the world, honestly. Um, and so he says that we walk together in particular societies or churches for their mutual edification and also the due performance of that public worship, which he requires of them in the world, so the purpose of the church is first of all, he says, for our mutual edification, so that we can be built up together, but also for public worship that God requires of us in this this world. Um, so that's the Lord Jesus calls us, and then eventually we can see the conclusion of it is with these particular local churches.
1: Yeah, and it's important to note he's called us together. Yeah, right, not alone. And that seems to be something that some people desire is this lone faith alone uh, where they don't have to do it with other people, where it just becomes easier. Kind of this mentality of like, you're working with some people, they keep making mistakes and you just kick them out of the room and say, I'll just do it on my own. It'll end up being faster if I just do it on my own. Right. And we, we don't have that mentality because number one, we didn't bring us together. Somebody else brought us together. Right and brought us together for a purpose and for a reason. And so when we are a part of a church family together, we have to see the other church members in that way as God has chosen you to be here with me and he's chosen me to be here with you. And so that should change how we handle each other, how we treat each other, how we respect each other, how we love and care for one another, and what our motivations are behind those things. Right? My motivation is to please Christ who put us together, uh, not necessarily to please you. I maybe that could be part of it too, right? Hopefully, we like each other. Mutual together. edification. Yeah, that's what it yeah. said. Building each other up, right? But I do it because He's put us together. This is who He has. This is who He has put me with, and I think a lot of people are always looking away from where they are currently for something. I see this a lot with like people in college age or something like that. Of well, you know, when I get older, I'm going to go here and this is where I'll be happy and serve and do. And it's like, yeah, but you're here, you're here now. And you, you're here with these people and they care about you and they want to care about you and they want to be there for you. And you should then do the same uh, for them. Right. And I say that college age, because that seems to be the age right now in our culture where people struggle with that, uh, that understanding, that you are together with these people here for a purpose, for you to care for them and for them to care for you. Uh, and you should be a part of that benefit, right, uh, that Christ has done. So I just I just want us to hit on that together aspect mm-hmm. of, you know, we're talking a lot about Christ has brought it, yes, and he has, but he's brought us um, together. And so this statement here would kind of push out the idea Of a Christian who's on their own.
0: Well, it explicitly says that he commands us to walk together in particular societies. Right. So it's not like church is a good option Mm -hmm. for certain Christians. It explicitly says you're commanded by Jesus Christ whenever you've been called to walk before him in all the ways of obedience. Well, one of the ways of obedience... Is to join a local church. That's explicitly what this is saying. That's what. Yeah. That's what we've. That's what
1: Baptists have always taught. And so what? Sadly, some people do now is they will attend church every week, but they attend two different churches, and they bounce back and forth. And there's certain things they like about this one, certain things they like about this one. And what they're doing is they're really ripping apart this that we're reading here, because they're yeah. not really a part of either. <clears throat>
0: Well and and let's I want to highlight this too because there's a difference between attending a church and notice what it says here. Those thus called he commands to walk together. Mm -hmm. That's different than simply attending a church. You don't simply go to a church to attend it. You go to a church because you're walking together with those people Mm -hmm. in the whole of your life. In your you're a part of a spiritual family now. So and that's the danger of of going to a church in order to simply say, I go there because X, Y, or Z yeah. meets my satisfactions, because at that point you're just going there for um, I mean, it could be for some you know, this this encourages me or I enjoy the music or, or what or whatever this or that or the other thing.
2: But you're not there to walk together with these yeah. people. And- Mm -hmm. Uh, The way that I recently described this to someone was that deciding to be part of a church is not even, it's not, it, yeah, in one sense you're deciding to attend and to gather for worship together. I mean, that's even part of this, right? You're supposed to gather for the performance of that public worship. But deciding to become part of a church is deciding to commit yourself to a people Mm -hmm. and to be part of a group of people and to live in fellowship with those people. And, and, and to follow the commands that Christ has given us. And so to only think about your participation or membership of a church, which I know that comes a little bit later in the confession, mm-hmm. but um, to only think of that in terms of where I attend and who I like to listen to preach, mm-hmm. you know, and the format of a service that you enjoy, you're missing it. Yeah. It's the people that you're doing it with right. that you're called to.
0: Yes. Yeah. And actually this is a, a form of understanding of what the church is by walking together. I think that's a pretty powerful phrase because, um, <clears throat> and, and I was just listening recently to a, uh, the White Horse Inn just recently had an episode about, uh, uh, ministry with all sorts of members in the church and the relationship with that, and and being you know ordained pastors and like how like just just walking through that that whole issue, and uh, one of the dangers they talked about was clericalism. Well, what's clericalism? Well, it's the idea that I go to church and I let the professionals take care of all this stuff for me. But the reality is, is that can happen in a lot of mega churches. A lot of mega churches are clericalists because you let those guys go on the stage do everything, and I sit here and just receive whatever you have to give me. And that's actually clericalism, because you're not actually walking together with anybody. You're just listening to what the experts, the, whether they be musical experts or preaching experts or whatever experts they are. Or discipleship uh, experts or, discipleship or family ex- experts. Well, yeah, discipleship to experts, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, exactly, though. But what it's saying here is that's not... That, that, that can be a form of clericalism to where we're saying, no, even in worship and, and also whenever it comes to just taking care of each other, we're to walk together in our whole of our lives. Um, and that, that's one of the reasons, too, why as Baptists, we've, we've traditionally expressed this walking together in the form of a covenant, uh, which is a solemn agreement that we are going to uh, compact together. Um, in Christ, to serve one another and to worship the Lord together, and to be a spiritual family uh, together, um, and so there's so much more involved in that um, that it, that I I think is is found and expressed here in this in this statement of faith. That's very helpful. So um, I guess that's that's all I've got. That's all I've got. Good job, yeah. You don't have any notes. I don't have any notes. <laughs> Well, do you have anything else to say? Uh-uh. I mean last time I gave you too many notes, this time too little. Um No it was good, Spencer. Good job. Hey, Christ you, calls you, the local church together. You mm-hmm. don't have to uh you don't have to you don't have to stroke my ego. We're called okay. to edify. Yeah, we're called to edify. He's edifying. Good job. Well <laughs> uh, everyone's smiling and smirking. All right.
3: Scott's reading his Bible. Scott's reading his. He's and focused. Scott's always. Oh, I was looking at this. I wasn't. Oh, that. Scott's always I don't, like, act like I'm reading the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Bibles open. <laughs> it's open. <laughs> nice. All right. Okay.
0: All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, take care and God bless.